Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. I have the privilege today of teaching lesson number three. It's uh, and one more I finish up next week. Lesson number three on a series titled "The Generous Life: A Deeper Look at Money." And uh, if you haven't been with us, the other lessons are available on our apps and online, and you can watch all of them for free. But today, I want to bring a truth out to you that's absolutely incredible. And here's what I want you to walk out never forgetting. God's favor follows the generous. It's an incredible thing because I told you my tithing story, and if you weren't here, um, I can say this about it. I was 20 years old. And I found out about this thing called tithing in the Bible. And at the time, I had just gotten out of a business. I had business debt. And uh, I was driving a clunker. And I found out what the tithe was. I came to a church like this, and they'd receive the offering. And they say this, it's time to receive tithes and offerings. And I knew what an offering was, didn't know what a tithe was. And I had to ask somebody that's been there a while. And they told me, that's when you give 10% of your income to God and 10% of your business profit to God if you have a business. And when I heard that, my jaw dropped. I became angry, as I've told you, with the pastor because he was driving a new car and I had a clunker. And I thought, I don't want to give 10% so he can live high on the hog. And, 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 and I'm struggling right now. I don't have money. If I'm not making it on 100. And God, you want me to take 10% of it away and just leave me with the 90? And here's what I dealt with. I dealt with this thing called fear. And all of us deal with fear in all kinds of areas of our life. And fear is a lid. It stops us from going to the next level in any area of the Bible. And God had to blow the lid of fear off my life. But uh, for me, I didn't have a lot of teaching like you're having. So I just decided to take a step of faith. And I just said, all right, God, if you say to do it, I'll do it. And, and I saw what I'm going to teach you today. God's favor uh, follows the generous. I saw it. And when we're generous towards God, it's amazing what he does. So uh, we're going to talk about that today. And I want to set it up. By, by just talking to you about this thing called tithing, because in the Bible, uh, the first time tithing's recorded, it's Abraham, and he's the first one to tithe, and he tithed 500 years before God gave the law of Moses, so tithing's in the law, and I love the law for this reason. I know we're not under it. I know we're not under its curse, but I love it because everything's documented. God wrote everything down so I can learn so much more because it's documented. And not everything that was in the law is done away with. Did, do you know, understand and realize in the law it says thou shalt not murder? Can we all agree that that still applies today? And, and the law says thou shalt not commit adultery. Can we agree that that still applies for today? And so there are many things in the law that keep going. They're, 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 they're no, they don't stop because we're now in Christianity as a matter of fact, Jesus takes everything deeper. So it's, it's amazing. The law says don't murder. Jesus, when he was here, he said, you have heard it was said, thou shalt not murder. And he says this, but I say unto you, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. He always took it deeper. He said, you've heard in the law that it said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery already. It's like Jesus went to the heart of the issue. And, and tithing didn't disappear when the law did because tithing existed before the law. And this guy, his name was Abraham. And, and when I read things, here's the questions I ask. Like, how did Abraham learn this? There was no Bible. How did he learn it? 
God appeared to him many times, so we know God had to teach him. There's no other way for him to learn tithing. And so here's the story. It's a remarkable story. Um, Abraham and, and his family and the people around him, there were these four kings. They invaded his land, and he wasn't around, and they stole his nephew Lot, and they took all of his goods. They took all his things, and they did it to all kinds of neighboring villages. And so Abraham hunted down the four kings with his men, and he defeated them, and he came back with all the plunder. And he didn't just have what they took from him. He had what they took from other villages. So now he has all kinds of gold and silver and all this plunder. He's walking back to his house, and this, this priest came out to meet him. This first time we hear about him in the Bible, his name was Melchizedek. The Bible says he was the priest of the Most High God. The tithe always goes to the work that God's doing in the earth. Whoever's doing the work. Today it's the local churches, so the tithe goes to the local churches. But, but Melchizedek comes down, and here's Abraham with, with, all, with all the money. And, and, and I kind of thought this when I read it. Uh, a preacher always knows when someone wins the lottery, he's going to go have coffee at their house. And so uh, uh, Melchizedek's coming down saying, Hey, Abraham, how you doing? I missed you. But uh, uh, here's what's cool. He had wine and he had bread. The Bible says Melchizedek came with wine and bread. And then it says this, that he blessed Abraham. And the Hebrew word is baruch, and it means to the supernatural, unbelievable blessings of God. And so Abraham hadn't did anything, and there's the bread and wine, and he blessed him. How many of us can understand that that's a picture of Jesus? And Hebrews 7 tells us that's a picture of Jesus. And, and if you're a Christian, can I tell you something? The bread and wine is referring to the death and burial of Jesus our salvation, our redemption. But you know what else? When you accepted Jesus, he spoke Baruch over you. The Bible says you're blessed with all spiritual blessings. And the Bible says that you're blessed with Abraham's blessing, which is natural. And the same thing that happened to Abraham, Jesus has done with you. Melchizedek was a type of Christ. But you know what the Bible says? That Abraham gave a tenth of all the plunder to Melchizedek. And that's the first time tithing's recorded in the Bible. And we see it going to the work of God uh, I don't, it's amazing. God rose up in the Old Testament, or in, in, under Moses, he rose up the Levites, and they offered up sacrifices for the people's sin. But even before then, he was raising up priests. He had to appear to Melchizedek, raise him up, and say, I want you to offer up sacrifices for mankind. And Abraham gave him a tenth of all. But then here's what's cool. Abraham taught his son Isaac to tithe, and the Bible says there was a famine in the land. And during that time of famine, God directed Isaac, and Isaac planted a field, and he reaped a hundredfold. Everybody else is starving, and his, he had a hundredfold return on the crops that he planted. God's favor follows the generous. And then we're going to tell you a story before I end today. The last story is going to be about Jacob, Isaac's son, and, and what happened when he tithed. But here's what I want to do first. God's favor follows the generous. I want to help break the lid of fear off of everybody's life, not just in this area, but in every area of your life, because... I want you to understand that God is God and God can do anything. We sang that second song, you know, that all things are possible with God and God can do anything. That's just not a bedtime story. That's true. And God, God can cause people to favor you. Uh, you might be here and you may say, man, I'm in college, I'm poor, or I'm older, I'm on a fixed income. It doesn't matter. You might have kids. I remember when I had four young kids, and I remember the expenses that went with four young kids, and it got more expensive when they became teenagers. Uh, their clothes are more expensive when they're older than when they're young, and I thought diapers were expensive till I bought jeans for, you know, high school kids. 
and, and it's, it's just a lot of money. I understand that. And so what I want to help you understand is when we give God our first and our best, he can take the 90 and bless it and protect it and cause it to go further than the 100. And, and that's what we want to help you see today. It's remarkable. And I stand before you as a person that can tell you that generosity always brings the blessings of God. It always does. It's done it in my life now for 35 years. So uh, I want to share some stories with you to help you see what God's able to do. In, in crazy circumstances where it should never happen, God caused people to be favored and he caused people to be blessed. The first one has to do with uh, the children of Israel when they were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves for 430 years in Egypt. And God raised Moses up and said, I want you to go to Pharaoh, the king, and tell him, let my people go. And God said to Pharaoh, he's not going to do it. He's not going to let them go. He said, I'll have to put place five or ten plagues on them before he lets them go. And then here's what God said, and I'll read it in a little bit. God said, but after the ten plagues, have all the Israeli women go to the Egyptians' uh, houses, have them knock on the doors of the Egyptians after the ten plagues, and say to the Egyptians, we would like all your gold and silver and your clothes for our kids. And God said, they'll do it. And I want to help you feel the atmosphere because it's mind-blowing to me. And it just shows you what our God is able to do. He can cause you to have favor no matter who you are, no matter where you live, and no matter when you live. And that's something I want to help you understand. For those of you that are tithers, I want to help make sure your confession's in line with what the Bible teaches because uh, it's so easy uh, to obey God and then not to use faith and believe that what God said is true. And for those of you that fear being generous, I want to help you understand God can bless the 90 and he can cause favor to come into all of our lives, and he does it. And I could have people pop up all over this sanctuary to stand up and tell you, yeah, he does it. So I, I want to I help you first. Just I thought if I went over the 10 fla- uh, plagues in Egypt that this would really help. And so here, here are the 10 plagues, and I'm going to do it quickly, but I want you to see how the Egyptians had to fill. The first one was water turned into blood. It was kind of a nuisance. Uh, every, all the water was turned into blood, which means they, could, they couldn't drink. They didn't have anything to drink, couldn't take a bath. They didn't want to take a blood bath. And none of them were vampires. So, I mean, it was, they just, they didn't have water for a while. And, and, then, and then number two, uh, the plague of frogs. And it wasn't just some frogs in the backyard. The Bible says that there were so many of them that they were in their kitchen cupboards. And they'd go to bed at night and pull down the sheets and there were frogs. And then they'd get them all off and they'd go to bed and the frogs would jump on their heads while they were in bed. They were everywhere. No matter how many they killed, more frogs came. It was awful. And then there was the gnats, and I just think of fruit flies times a trillion, just everywhere. And then there were these flies, and these were called gadflies, and they would bite you over and over again, and they'd just keep biting you. And their bites were really painful, and it would be one painful bite after another. How many of you right at this point would think the Egyptians would not really be that excited? They would not like the Israelis at this point. But then came all the livestock dying. That was plague number five. And think about in a farming culture where they made their living with animals and crops, half their economy was destroyed in one plague. But then we had boils, and these were open sores. And just think about it, you can't even lay down at night, just sores. Every time you, you touch something with your skin, it was painful. And God's just bringing this judgment on them because they won't let his people go. And then next came these huge hailstones, 
and they're destroying houses and roofs, have holes in them, and people have died because if they were out there and they got caught and if it hit them, it killed them, and some animals died or some crops were destroyed. It was terrible. And then the next thing was locusts. And the Bible says they ate up all the crops. There was no crops left. So now they have no animals. They have no crops. Their economy is devastated, not just for a year, for years. I mean, they have gone into the Great Depression times 10. And then there was three days of darkness. The Bible says it wasn't just night. The darkness was so dark that they couldn't see their hand in front of their face. It had to be eerie. Three days, three nights of total darkness. And Pharaoh still wouldn't let them go. And there was one more plague, and it was the plague of the firstborn dying. And all the firstborn in Egypt died. And this is where God initiated the Passover. And he told the Jewish people uh, to find a spotless lamb and to kill it and to have a celebration. And then he said, take the blood and put it on the doorpost and the death angel will pass your houses and it will go to the Egyptians and take the firstborn. And I just want to help you feel the emotion. If this happened today in my household, that night my dad would have died. My brother Jim would have died. My, my, my niece, Lauren, would have died. My nephew, Michael Jr., would have died. My niece, Liliana, would have died. My wife would have died. My son, Joseph, would have died. My grandson, Joey, would have died. I would have had eight deaths in one night, and it would have been because of those crazy Israeli slaves. I would not be in a mood to like them. If I had my concealed carry, I might hurt them. I would be really, really upset and they they would that's the natural thing to be but i want to show you the power of god and god's ability because some of you think my situation's unique my boss hates me nobody likes me everybody's trying to keep me down and i want to show you that god's able to bring favor into the darkest situation so here's the scripture and it goes like this exodus chapter 3 verse 20 so i will stretch out my hand and strike the egyptians with all the wonders that i will perform among them after that, he will let you go. That's the 10 plagues. And I will make the Egyptians, this is phenomenal, favorably disposed towards this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. And I just want you to see something. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. Notice what God was able to do. I will make the Egyptians, I will make them, I will cause them to be, I will put it in their hearts to be favorably disposed towards the Israelis. That's amazing. And I just want you to remember something the Bible teaches. God's favor follows the generous. And when you begin to be generous, God is released to bring favor into your life and to cause people to favor you and cause doors to open and open for nobody else. And I want you to understand, just as Melchizedek spoke Baruch, blessings, over Abraham. Jesus has spoke them over you. And, and, and I think the fear begins to leave when we realize that God's blessed us. And when God commands a blessing on us, we are a blessed people. And favor is something that belongs to you. So, so the Bible goes on. In, in case, just favorably, you're going to see it over and over. It, it means unexpected and many times unexplained acts of kindness and goodwill. There's no way to explain it. It's just like, whoa, how did that happen? It had to be God. And so verse 22 says this, this is before one plague came. This is the instructions that God's given. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and your daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. So think about this. 
They're knocking on the doors of people that just lost the firstborn in their home. I think it's a sad, I feel bad for the Egyptians because the Pharaoh brought this on them. And yet the whole nation's being judged because of what they did to Israel. But these Israeli ladies knock on the door and they say, hi, we're going to leave. Can we have all your gold and silver and uh, also your clothes? It's pretty crazy. Now, remember, they just lost their whole economy, their livestock, their crops. This is their retirement. They didn't have retirement like we do. This was what they were going to live on, their gold and their silver. And these people, and here's, here's the Egyptians. It had to happen like this. They're favorably disposed. I said, you know, last night I had a dream, and in the dream, I just, I just saw myself giving this to you. I'm so glad you stopped by, or I've been wanting to do this all day. I didn't think I could find any of you guys. I thought you were gone already. Here! And they were excited to give it to them. Now, if God's able to do that under those circumstances, can God bring favor into our lives? Absolutely. God's favor follows the generous. So here's another story. And I like this one too. This is one of my favorites. It has to do with Joseph. And uh, Joseph is an incredible Bible character. Sometimes I've asked people, I say, do you think he's real? Or, or you know, Because he really was, but he was so incredibly um, ethical and strong. And he wasn't a Christian. He was not renewed on the inside like us, but oh, what a guy. And, and, and I'm just in, impressed with his character. So here's what happened. His brothers were jealous. They sold him to slave sellers. Those guys took him and sold him in Egypt. And Potiphar bought him. He was the head of the the police uh, for Pharaoh. So he oversaw all of Pharaoh's soldiers that protected him. Potiphar purchased him. And so this is a new slave. And, And in case you didn't know this, Egyptians at this time hated Hebrews. They absolutely despised them. So now not only is he a slave, he's one of those Hebrews that they despised. And I want to show you what God did. It's absolutely remarkable, and he's able to do it in our lives too. It reads like this, Genesis 39, 4. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Now, think about it. He buys a new slave. It's a Hebrew. He should hate him. He should have went out into the fields and start working in the hot sun and doing the labor that had to be done. And Potiphar looked at him and said, I typically hate Hebrews, but man, I like you. I want you to be my attendant. He doesn't even know why he's doing it, but God caused him to favor Joseph. God's able to do that. So watch what else God did. Verse 5, from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Now, I want you to notice what happened. God's able to bless businesses just because you work there. God's able to bless anything you touch. He's able to bless your business. God just brought supernatural blessing on Potiphar because Joseph was there. God caused him to favor Joseph. Now, Joseph had one problem. He was, he was a good-looking guy. That was a problem for him because Potiphar's wife had her eyes on him. She was not a good wife. And she had been asking him to come sleep with her, and he's been saying no over and over again. So one day she gets him in the house all by herself and she corners him in a room and she says, you're sleeping with me today. And here's what he said. It's amazing. 
He said, you know, your husband trusted me to run his whole household, and I run everything for him, and he's put great trust in me. He never gave me you. You belong to him. You're not mine, and I will not touch you. And he ran out of the house, and she grabbed his coat as he was running, and she was so upset that he rejected her that she started to scream, and when people came in, she said, that Hebrew slave that my husband thinks so great, he tried to rape me. And so Potiphar came home, and his wife said, he tried to rape me today. He's crazy. I know you think he's great, and I know you think he does a good job, but this man tried to rape me. So who's he going to believe, his wife or Joseph? Joseph gets thrown in a prison. And it's not just any prison, guys. It's the king's prison where he sends the people he doesn't like. So it's a place of torture. It's a place of torment. And the warden there had to be an unhappy guy because uh, if you study history during that time, the, you know, he was an Egyptian, he was a free Egyptian, but that was a really bad job in a hot place, a torturous place. And he probably was resentful that Pharaoh didn't give him a different position somewhere else, but he probably was knocked down there and he just has no favor. He's an angry guy. I always imagine a guy unshaven with a stogie that cusses all the time. And, and uh, he just, he hates the world. He's mad at everybody. That's what, he had to be that kind of guy. And, and, I, and some of you may have bosses like that. I hope you don't work here. But uh, uh, I, I just want to say to you, I want to say to you, I want you to see what happened. It says in Genesis 39, 20, uh, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So this nasty, mean man looked at Joseph and said, I know you're a rapist. Because they, they would have believed the, the charges. I know you're a rapist. I know you tried to rape Potiphar's wife. You must be nuts to have tried to do that. I don't know what it is, but I like you. That's, that's what happened. And, and then notice this, as we read on, verse 22. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. He gave him the master key to the prison. And, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And I, I believe the Lord's with every Christian in this room and he wants to bless everything that we did. But, but here's, when I read that, I ask this question. Does it matter where you live? Does it matter when you live? Does it matter who you are? Is, if God could show favor to Joseph, can he bring favor into your life? And sometimes we think if I can just change everything, everything will be better. And God may want you to change. He may want you to move. That's, that may be what God wants. But here's what I want to say to you guys. God can bless you wherever you're at. And God can bring favor. If he can do it in prison with this guy, with a warden, with Potiphar as a slave, if he can do it with Egypt as slaves, giving them all the money, God can do it. Well, I want to show you one more story and talk about this one. This one's so cool because uh, this has to do with Jacob. So Abraham was a tither. We talked about it. And Isaac, his dad, was a tither. So then Jacob's a twin, and he has a twin brother. His name's Esau. Esau came out first, which means he's the firstborn. Now, the firstborn doesn't just get a double portion of everything Isaac has, a double portion of the inheritance. He also gets the blessing of Abraham. And so Abra Abraham gave it to Isaac. So Isaac was the father of many nations now, and he was going to be the one that was in the lintage of that great promise that God made. Now, Esau was up for it next, but Abraham's wife just felt like, you know what? It's supposed to be Jacob. 
And, and she took Jacob aside and said, we, we've got to get that blessing for you. And, and, and right now we're asking, was she right or wrong? And, I, and I'll show you as we progress. But Isaac was ready to die. He was near blind. And he told his son Esau, who was a hunter, he said, go kill a deer and make me that stew. I love your stew. I want to have some of your stew before I go. And so his wife heard it. She made a stew really quick with some deer she had around. And, and she told Jacob, put some animal uh, hide on you because Esau was really hairy. And she made him smell like Esau. And he walked in there and, and he, he said, Dad, it's, es it's Esau. And I got the stew. And his dad said, how'd you get it so, so fast? He said, oh, I had good luck, you know. And, and he tasted the stew. He said, yeah, that's the stew. And he laid hands on Jacob and spoke the blessing of the firstborn over him. And so now, once that's spoken, Jacob's now going to receive the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of the firstborn. And so he comes out, and Jacob's mom said, now your brother Esau, he loses his temper a lot, and he's really good with a bow. So I'm going to send you to my brother Laban's house, your uncle Laban, and you need to lay low for a while because Esau's going to be looking for you. So now Jacob's scared, and he's running, and he runs, and nighttime comes, and he's at this little village called Luz, and he beds down for the night, and when he closes his eyes, he has a dream. It was a cool dream. You'd love to read this this week. And, and uh, heaven opened, and ladders were going from earth to heaven, and these angels were going up and down the ladders, and like Jacob's blown away with what he's seen, because that's quite a sight to see heaven and see angels going up and down a ladder, and then God spoke to him, and here's what God said. He spoke the blessing of Abraham on him, and God confirmed that you're now going to be the father of many nations. So we know that Abraham, uh, Isaac's wife was, was right. She did the right thing. And now Jacob wakes up, and he knows that all of this sits on him. And you know he learned about tithing from Isaac, his dad, and from his grandpa, Abraham. And I just want you to see what he did. It's an amazing thing. Uh, and you know he had to learn it. And it reads like this. The next morning he got up early, he took the stone he had used as a pillow and set it upright as a memorial stone. Then he poured olive oil on it, which means uh, it was a type of making it sacred. And, and he says he named the place Bethel, which means house of God, though the name of the nearby village was Luz. Now he's, now, he's, now he's making a covenant with God. He says in verse 20, Then Jacob made this vow, If God will be with me and protect me on this journey and give me food and clothing... And if he will bring me back safely to my father, then I will make the Lord my God. And he says, this memorial pillar will become a place for worshiping God, and I will give God a tenth of everything he gives me. This is an amazing story because up to now he's living under Isaac's blessing. He's just living in his dad's house. And my, my, my grandma, my, my dad's mom, who I've told stories about her, she was like four foot six or so, and um, she was so cute. And, and uh, she used to have a saying, and, and we would complain. We're in high school, and we're complaining about mom and dad, and they're making us work, and I can't believe we have so many chores. And she would just look at us, and here's what she'd say. Honey, it doesn't rain under here. And... Uh, we knew what she meant. You may not realize right away, but she'd go, it doesn't rain under here. And what she was trying to tell us is, you have no idea what pressures are in life, and you won't understand until you get out from underneath your parents' house. And then you're going to understand that out here, it's coming down on you. Here, your, your dad's taking it all. Here, it's going to come down on you. And that's what happened to Jacob. It's going to come down on him. He knows it. So what does he do? He says, God, 
I learned this from Isaac. My grandpa talked about when he gave it to Melchizedek and how he was blessed and my dad's blessed. Lord, I'm going to do what they did and I'm going to give you a tenth of all. Why? Because God's favor follows the generous and, and Jacob knew it and, and he needed it. I don't know about you, but I think in every family there's a crazy uncle and uh, we all have, you guys could name your crazy uncle. We, we have some and, and uh, uh I think Jacob knew Laban was crazy. He had to have a reputation. One of his reputations would be he's so tight and so cheap, he still has the same dollar that he made, the first dollar. He is a tight guy, and he was known for being tight. So now he goes to Laban's house, his uncle, and he lays, hands on Ra or lays eyes on Rachel, and he says, I, I want to marry her. And so he says to Laban, I want to marry your daughter, and he says, well, you have to work seven years in order to have her. So he worked seven years. The Bible says it went like it was nothing. It just passed so quickly. And he goes to marry her, and of course her face is covered, and he goes through the ceremony, and he's excited. They must have tied Rachel up because she would have been screaming. And, and uh, he, gets, he goes to consummate the, the vows, and he sees that it's Leah, her sister. And he's upset. And, and so he goes to Laban and says, you promised me Rachel, and you gave me Leah. He says, oh, he goes... I can't marry the secondborn till the firstborn's married. That's the custom. So you can have her if you work another seven years. So he went ahead and married Rachel right then and there. And all I can tell you is I, I have felt bad for Leah my whole life, and I still feel bad for her. I might slap Laban when I get to heaven. I just don't know. <laughs> that was nasty mean. And, and so now, now Jacob's in love with Rachel, and you know Leah's the third will, and it's an awful thing. And, and, uh, but then Laban kept cheating him. Uh, he changed his wages 10 different times. And he got so bad that he says, I'll tell you what, your wages will be every spotted livestock. And, and there's hardly ever any spotted. And, and so God made everyone be born spotted. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you all the streaked ones. And, and it's like, there's hardly ever any streaked ones. God made every newborn baby streaked. And God caused all the wealth of Laban to be transferred to Jacob, the tither. And it's an amazing, let, let me read the verses to you because they are amazing. And, and it goes like this. He's talking to his wife in Genesis 31, 6. He says, you know that I have worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages 10 times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. Verse 8, if he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. And then he goes on and tells her about a vision. And listen to verse 11. The angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, I am, and I, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. He's seeing into the spirit realm. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. This is what I call supernatural blessing. I don't know how to explain it, but it happens when you tithe. God just does things, and sometimes you just shake your head and say, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. I don't know how it stretched this far. I don't know how I'm doing better now with less, but I am. And you can talk to people that tithe. They'll tell it to you over and over. God's favor follows the generous. And I'll tell you a story. Uh, not this year, but last year, my wife and I, wanted, we wanted to see all the staff receive a cost of living raise. And so uh, it wasn't there in the budget, and we hadn't did it for four or five years. And so I just asked the board, I said, if I give up part of my pay 
and Gina's pay, can we use it to give them their cost of living? We gave up about, I think it was close to 15% of our pay. And, and here's how it happened. God spoke to me in my heart and said, do it. And then he spoke to my wife when I, she wasn't with me and said, do it. So I wasn't going to do it without talking to her. And I went to her and I said, honey, you may disagree with this and that's okay. But I said, I feel God is leading uh, me to do this and give up this portion of our pay. And she said, God's been dealing with me the same. That's how you know it's God, you know. And so we did it. And last year was one of our best years ever. Uh, we, we, we just had an incredible year. We ended the year better than, than, than the years before and before and before. And, and I learned, I'll never, I learned it over and over. God's favor follows the generous. You cannot outgive God. And so listen to verse 13. It says this, I am the God of Bethel, where, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow uh, to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. So where, where is God taking him back to? I've supernaturally blessed you, but it's because you made a covenant to tithe. Remember you said protect me? And you said, I'll give you a tenth of all. Well, you've been faithful to do that. And that's why this all happens supernaturally. And I just want to encourage everybody in this room, no matter where you're at in life, God's favor follows the generous. And every week I've been talking about what I call an international tithing story. And I want to talk to you about James L. Kraft as I get ready to close. Um, we're familiar with Kraft Cheese and the Kraft Company, and it's grown and changed since the beginning. It's a $34 billion company. And do you know that James L. Kraft... Uh, do you know that he invented processed cheese? He's the one who invented, he invented Velveeta. And this is how I know God was in his life. He invented Miracle Whip and uh, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. And uh, he was the one that invented all these things. And I'm sure they had macaroni and cheese, but he invented the process selling it in the boxes. He's the one that pioneered it all. But let me tell you a story. He worked for a cheese company in Buffalo, New York, and they wanted to gain some new territory. So they sent him as a salesman to Chicago and he's there for a couple weeks, and they decided, no, Chicago's too tough. We're not going to make it there, and they fired him. So now he's stranded in Chicago with 65 bucks, and back then that would have been a lot more than 65 bucks today. So here's what he does. He decides, I'm going to make my own cheese and just sell it and start my own company, and so he bought a horse and a wagon, and, 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 and he named the horse Patty, P-A-D-D-Y, Patty, and so uh, he, he, he begins to do this business, and he's going door to door, he's selling on the streets, and nobody's buying his cheese, and he's failing. So one day he had a conversation with his horse, Patty, and uh, he said to Patty, he said, Patty, we need a business partner. And, and I'd love to be able to tell you that Patty said, you should tithe. I'd love that, that to be the story, but it's not. So <laughs> he walked away <clears throat> and went to sleep that night, and then God spoke to him and God, he was raised a Christian. He was raised in church, so he knew the Bible. And God spoke to him and said, if you will honor me and give to me, I will become your business partner, and I will grow your business, and I will help you in what you do. And so he decided not, not to tithe. He was, he was kind of crazy. He decided, he said, God, I'll give you 25% of all my profits. And God grew that into a $34 billion corporation today. He became an exceptionally wealthy man. As soon as he began to tithe, his business turned around. And I realized probably maybe no one in this room will ever be a James L. Kraft, but I, I use it because it's, to me, it's, I love these stories. They're remarkable to me. And I look at it and I say, I'm not in business, but if God bless that tither, he can bless this tither. 
And if he blessed that tither, he can bless these tithers. And I say it to encourage our tithers. But I also say it to knock the lid of fear off of people. And just to help you see, man, God's favor follows the generous. So I, I think I got my point across, but can, can we do something real quick? Can we thank God that he has a unique ability to bring blessing into our life? Can we just thank him and just let him know we're excited about it? <laughs> Father, we just thank you and magnify you. You're so, so good. Hey, uh, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Let's pray. First, I want to give you a God moment. And uh, I just want, I believe while I teach, God, God speaks to people while I teach. That's what he, he promised that. So it's not that I'm special. I just know if I read a scripture, he's going to speak to people. And I want to give you that chance to make it real with God. For some of you, he's dealing with you to begin to practice this incredible law of first. And I want to give you that opportunity to make those decisions. For others, you have been, and God's speaking to you, and he's lifting up just some fear and knocking it off. He's blowing the lids off. And, and I want to give you just an opportunity to talk to God. And for some of you, I was 20 years old when I began to tithe, and I, I, was, I was struggling and poor, and, but I just obeyed God. For some of you, you may say, Pastor Joe, I just don't know. I, I, I need to listen to next week's. I need a little bit more faith. Can, but can I encourage you to, do, to, to make a step? I, I know Christians that have made steps, and they said, Lord, this, this is a huge deal. I'm going to give 3%, and I'm going I'm to just trust you with that, and I'm going to release that. And then, Lord, I'm going I'm to go up as you bless me. And, and they were blessed. Here's what I learned about God. Consistency is the most important thing. Don't throw God your tips. If you're here, you throw him a tip. If you're not, uh, be faithful to God and say, I'm going to begin to support your work and I'm going to do this on a monthly basis or a weekly basis and watch what God will begin to do. Just give you that God moment. heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's keep praying, man. But I, I want to give an invitation. If you're here and maybe you're a first-time visitor, I met a bunch of people that in the lobbies today. They told me they were here this is their third week, their fourth week. It's so exciting to meet new people. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you're not sure of your eternity, man, Believer's Church, we believe in sharing this message so much that I, every, at the end of every service I talk about this because it changed my life when I heard it. You know, the Bible teaches us that we're all born sin-stained and that Jesus came and died to save us from our sins. That's what the Bible teaches. And when he hung on that cross, the Bible teaches that the sins of the whole world were put on him. He died physically. He was buried. He spent three days, three nights in the heart of the earth, and then God raised him up from the grave. And Jesus said, whoever calls on my name, I will save them. And I'll never forget when I called on his name and I said, Jesus, I, I believe and I receive you as Savior. My life changed. I didn't feel any bells or whistles go off, but my life changed. The Bible made sense. and uh, I understood God and I began to develop this incredible relationship. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, uh, I, I can't remember a day in my life when I made it personal. I realize some of you grew up in churches, but can you remember a day where you made it personal? So I'm not asking you to leave your church, join our church. 
I'm asking you, what have you done with Jesus? So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm ready to pray today, would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them pray? And simply say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe what the Bible declares about you. That you died for my sins. God raised you from the grave. And I receive you today as my Savior. And I make you Lord of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.